St. John's is one of the legendary names in all of college basketball. Has it fallen on tough times? Yes, it has. But now we're ready to, to fall on great times. We're ready to raise it up, raise this roof up, because St. John's is going to be back, I guarantee it. Everybody is off the floor, but had no time left. One free throw will win it, and stunned it. The senior wins it. You are now listening to the Eye of the Storm Podcast. What's going on, Johnny Nation? Welcome to episode 73 of the Eye of the Storm Podcast. My name is David Barrow, and St. John's had a few days off after coming home from the Charleston Classic. As the schedule starts to soften a bit, the goal for this game was simple. Beat the ever-loving crap out of Holy Cross, stay healthy, get the bench some minutes, and keep that good momentum rolling into your first true road game of this season against West Virginia. Well, mission accomplished as St. John's demolished Holy Cross last night, 91-45. to My co-host Frank Molfetta is back, and Frank, there's a whole lot to like against Holy Cross and the results that came out of yesterday. But you know what? It all starts with the debut of one R.J. Luis. There was a sellout crowd, Willie Glass, Mo Hatton, and some guy named Kevin Durant were all in attendance to watch Holy Cross take on St. John's. Let that sentence sink in a little bit. No, Kevin Durant was not watching St. John's at Madison Square Garden. He came to Queens uh, and he was in Garneseca Arena St. John's gets the job done 91-45 against Holy Cross. And Frank, it was a nice, easy win. Yeah, and that's great. I mean, you know, we've we've seen this movie a, a million times over the last eight years where, you know, we're supposed to come in and curb stomp an opponent uh, and we just don't do it. Uh, but this is a, you know, a, a nice, easy win. You know, the first couple of minutes were a little nervy. They came out a little flat. You know, sometimes with a week off, that will happen. But, you know, Rick, Rick righted the ship as he always does, got them in line, got them, got them energized. And once they, once they put their heads in the game, it was, it was all over. And it, good teams win, great teams cover, really great teams practically double up the spread, which is almost what we did yesterday. So, uh, definitely a great performance all around. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head. The, the headline here is the debut of RJ Luis. And, oh, my God, did he look good. He he passed the eye test. He's very smooth, very athletic. He had a couple of just really athletic, strong finishes at the rim. He can create off the dribble. He can make his own shot. He's got a lot of the tools that uh, this team has lacked when it's when it struggled offensively this year. And so, you know, I'm, I was really excited to see him just kind of get in there seamlessly. And, you know, I don't care who the opponent is. Anytime you put up 14 points in 16 minutes, you're you're playing pretty well. So that's kind of the overarching point here, right? It's okay. We have to factor in the opponent here, but RJ Luis in his first game action, his first time being uh, thrown into this offense, what he brought to the table, what we saw, you know, like you just said, the eye test. Passed with flying colors, I think more so than a lot of us even imagine. Now, all offseason, we heard RJ Luis was this offensive juggernaut, 
Rick Pitino and the staff were raving about him. Rick Pitino called him a future pro. But, you know, unless you were locked in on UMass basketball last year, the likelihood of a lot of St. John's fans and their familiarity with RJ Luis were YouTube highlights. You know, let, let's be honest. He played really well in conference play last year for Frank Martin and UMass. But what we saw last night for St. John's was RJ Luis is a game changer and a guy that will allow for a lot of offensive versatility for St. John's. He moves effortlessly. He got to the rim effortlessly. Now, again, Holy Cross, right? We will take that into consideration. But limited minutes, like you said, played well on defense. He was getting his own rebounds. Frank, he had four rebounds yesterday. Three of them were offensive. So he's got a nose for the basketball. He followed his own shots. He was finishing in the paint. And the way that he got to the rim, it, he covers so much ground so effortlessly. He looked strong. He looked like a guy that wasn't rusty for being away for seven weeks. And I was beyond impressed from what I saw with RJ Luis. He played a lot with Glenn Taylor on the floor together. So that's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic is being used. And I think that what he gives you is another offensive weapon. Could he be used off of the bench? Maybe, you know, we've been talking the last few weeks about what's going to happen on that second unit. Well, now you have another piece that you can use in that second unit. And if you're Rick Pitino and this staff, you have to be over the moon that you have another option at your disposal. Yeah, I do. I think it's very exciting. I I almost like him off the bench. I mean, I, I do think he'll become the starter at some point this season, but man, having a guy like that coming off the bench to score, I mean, you know, if he could play like that in conference play off the bench, you're looking at a, a six, a big East six man of the year candidate right there. But, you know, certainly, you know, there might be, you know, he might weasel his way or work his way rather into the, uh, the starting lineup. So, uh, you know, definitely was exciting to see and, and see him live up to the hype in that first game, uh, you know, opponent aside, obviously. But, uh, yeah, the rebound for good. And how about this one as well? Three steals, led the team in steals, had more steals than mm -hmm. either starting point guard, more steals than uh, Chris Ledlam, who tends to have a nose for the ball. He played pretty good defense as well, aside from just the steals. So, you know, like you said, he's got a nose for the ball on, on both ends when it comes to rebounding, crashing the glass on offense and just hounding guys and, and swiping balls at on the defensive end. It, it is really interesting to to figure out where he's going to slot in, you know, because of his offense, I think it just makes a lot of sense to bring him off the bench as that sixth man. Let Glenn Taylor be your three because of what he offers on defense. Now, I think RJ Luis is no slouch on defense. I think he's a little bit bigger than Glenn Taylor, so he could slot into that. But I think his offensive versatility with his shot, and we didn't really get to see his shot yesterday. So I don't want to say it's an embarrassment of riches for this staff to have him potentially come off of the bench. I just think that it allows you to have versatility. And when you are trying to also whittle down this roster and the amount of guys that you're playing, because I don't think it's sustainable to play 12, 11 guys. Now you have RJ coming off the bench. You'll have Simeon Wilcher, who we'll talk about in a little bit. This team has options. And now you have options at the three and the four. I, I think that if you're Rick Pitino and the staff, yesterday against Holy Cross went about as perfect as you could possibly imagine because what you got to see was obviously RJ Luis, but you also got to see a lot of extended minutes 
and positive play from Zuby Ejiofor, Brady Dunlap, and Simeon Wilcher, which I think was the point of a game like yesterday and is the point of these bye games. Now, you don't want to be like DePaul and drop your bye games because that's all they're doing and killing the Big East, but you accomplished everything that you set out to do yesterday if you're St. John's. And given how tough of a stretch you just had at Charleston, then a few days off, and now you've got even more days off to prepare for West Virginia. Right now, that's what you're trying to do here. You're establishing the team. You're trying to get it out of some of that rut that you experienced in Charleston. You're figuring things out. Now you're, you're throwing RJ Luis into the fold again. You're turning into a team right now as you're rounding the corner through the first month of the season. I think they checked off all the boxes that they wanted to yesterday. For sure. And, you know, you love to see these guys on the second unit get get a lot of minutes, get a lot of run, especially the younger, more inexperienced guys like Zuby and Wiltshire, uh, who, you know, we are going to need, you know, we are going to need good minutes from them down the stretch. We're going to need big minutes from them in Big East play, come Big East tournament time, hopefully NCAA tournament time. Uh, so to see them get some good run and play positively and hopefully build some confidence and momentum is going to be huge for, for this team. Uh, I think Zuby was phenomenal defensively yesterday. I mean, again, they're not a big team, but uh, he had four four swats, I think, at the rim. So, uh, you know, block party by Zuby yesterday, and that's good to see. Uh, and, you know, when we touch on West Virginia, I think, you know, it's important. Uh, it would be important against them as well. So uh, good to see that from Zuby. Uh, you know, he struggled a little bit offensively, but, you know, he, he was great defensively and gave us good minutes. Uh, Simeon, really good on, on both ends of the floor. Um, and Naheem Ali in the last couple of games, uh, once he had that heart to heart with Rick and and got you know out of the doghouse and got his game back, he's played really well uh, on both ends of the ball. I think his defense has never been in doubt. But his offense was struggling earlier in the year, and the last couple of games he's given us you know some pretty good offense off the bench. So uh, I like that he's he's been shooting the ball better. So you know great to see that second unit and and that second round of guys, the you know, six through nine guys, kind of get get some good run and good minutes. You know, it's funny, you could laugh about it now because we know the outcome of the game and how everything went. Say, say John starts the game and they find themselves in a hole early on yesterday, which we lead off by saying that St. John's took care of business. Well, St. John started slowly, which they tend to do here and there, but Holy Cross was shooting 70% from the field. They had an early 18 to 10 lead on St. John's. And then you just saw the talent really separate themselves. St. John's went on an 18 to three run with Joel Soriano doing any and everything that he wanted to. Kevin Connolly said Joel Soriano could have gone for 40 points if he wanted to yesterday. I think that's not even an exaggeration. He might've been able to go for more than that. Joel Soriano looked yesterday like a man amongst boys, but he looked like one of the most dominant players in college basketball. It was a little unfair. He, they would just throw the ball into the paint and he was just sealing his man and finishing at the rim. It was, it was unfair. Tariq Turner said that Rick Patino did mention that that was a point of emphasis was to get the ball deep into the paint with Joel Soriano. And they certainly accomplished that. The other big thing that was really nice to see yesterday is you were able to give guys a break. That's what these buy games are also for. Look at what you have through the rest of your roster, but guys who are playing 30, 35 minutes for the last, two weeks got a lot of time off and got to chill and sit on the bench with a game not in question so you, you got to just be happy about that st john's ends the half on a 34 to 10 run over the last 12 minutes it was 44 to 28 at the break get this in the first half 
St. John's only missed four shots from inside the three-point stripe. They went 15 of 19. They scored 15 points off of 10 Holy Cross turnovers, 17 fast break points. Like you mentioned before, they were dominating in the paint 28 to 10 with points. They didn't shoot the three well, but this team was dominant after the first few minutes. You just handled business. And again, we were talking about what what do you want to see after Charleston? Well, you wanted the Utah win to roll over into a Holy Cross win to then roll over into your first road test against West Virginia. And again, I think St. John's accomplished that. Their defense really stood out, obviously, because you held an opponent to 45 points. Now, I had to do some digging last night because I thought it was interesting. The last time that St. John's allowed for such few points by an opponent, UCF and Malloy both did it. In 2017, they both scored 43 points in the span of six days. St. John's defense held two opponents to 43 points in the span of six days in 2017. The St. John's defense yesterday was absolutely tremendous and uh, really, really happy to see that. St. John's held Holy Cross to just 27 points over the final 32 minutes of the game. Uh, that's, I don't know. I, I don't remember seeing something like that before. So I thought really impressive yesterday. St. John's did what they had to do. I thought the other big thing that we've been critical of them is St. John's did not turn the ball over yesterday. It was eight turnovers if you want to look at the stats, but it was really seven because they took one voluntarily at the end of the game. Four turnovers happened in the first six minutes of the game, and then there was basically only three the rest of the way positive signs this is what you want in games like this you mentioned the defense you know from my perspective what they did once again and we've seen them do this several times this season uh it's the old bill belichick method of coaching take away your opponent's biggest strength uh you know holy cross this was pretty easy they only had one guy who who averages double digits uh and and that's uh joe octave and they held him down and he had like seven points in yeah seven points in 27 minutes on two of seven shooting um which is pretty low volume shooting for him to begin with uh he usually takes a few more shots than that so they were not just you know forcing him into bad shots or blocking his shots but they were you know denying him the ball and denying him opportunities to get shots up so uh you know that's certainly promising as well um and that's you know sort of another thing you could take from a game like this against an inferior opponent is when they do have that one guy who can you know maybe compete at this level and and you still manage to shut him down uh you know that's it's a positive sign as well one of the big things that we mentioned is Simeon Wilcher i thought he played really well now while his numbers might not be gaudy i thought what he showed was was really nice 5 points in 18 minutes he had a plus minus of 10 he had 5 assists 3 rebounds and two steals. I thought he showed that he can be your backup point guard in times of need. I thought he played good defense. And the other person that took notice of that was the head coach. Rick Patino said he did a very good job offensively, but he did a great job defensively. He was active with his hands, very good at finding open people. I thought he was terrific. The other really important thing that Rick Patino mentioned was that he's starting to gain confidence in Simeon Wilcher for games like West Virginia and things like that. He said, if we're in a war with West Virginia, I have no problem putting Simeon or Brady into the game at any time. Brady played really good on defense tonight. These are the positive signs that you want to hear as a fan, but also as a coaching staff. This is what I'm going to be talking to Bob Walsh about when the development of the team, how things are starting to take shape and where 
you know, the fans are like, oh, well, is this guy going to get minutes? Is this guy going to get minutes? And you have guys who simply were ready when their number was called. And when you get the opportunity, you know, it's very cliche, but you have to do something when your opportunity comes. Simeon Wilcher, I thought, also was really impressive in the post game. He said that he he doesn't care about how many minutes he is getting. He trusts Coach Patino. There's a that's the reason why he came here. I'm really trusting him. I'm happy that he believes in me enough to put me out there today. And he says this is just the beginning. And I have a lot of trust in the coaching staff. This all might sound cliche, but when you're a freshman like that, it's very easy, especially if somebody that is highly touted like Simeon Wilshire. It's very easy to get down on yourself, especially in this transfer portal era. How many kids say, oh, I'm, t- I'm packing my lunch and I'm going home? I thought he was great. And you saw these young kids step up in small doses, but just to prove that when it's time for Big East play, it's time to play against the West Virginia on the road, these guys are going to be ready and they can contribute. And what you're seeing is the defense here is starting to come together and click and guys are getting connected with each other on the switches They're getting connected with each other on the press. And, you know, they know their assignments and, you know, not to, not to be almost negative spin. I don't think it's negative spin, but when the freshmen are starting to get those defensive assignments and play good defense and understand the system, that's when, you know, it's kind of locked in place and everybody's on the same page and everybody's yeah. playing together uh, because, you know, the, the, the experienced guys, they can get there. They can, figure it out when when you have the rookies figuring it out then it's obvious that okay we're we're coming together defensively well that's what that's what coach patino has said the whole time basically right he's like danis jenkins has been basically the only guy that i could rely on to know what's going on and now you're seeing the young guys and everybody else starting to figure out yeah it's a month into the season but they've been now together for about three months practicing on and off you're starting to see a team come together. So everybody who was kind of freaking out a little bit after the Michigan loss and things like that, you got to give it time. We're preaching patience and you're going to see that patience hopefully pay off. And again, you take the momentum from a Holy cross win and take it into West Virginia. Just quickly looking at some other numbers in this game, 58 points in the paint. They turned Holy cross over 20 times. So that goes to what Frank's point just now is. That defense, I thought one of the other things that really stood out in this kind of a game was, yeah, St. John scored a lot of points, but because of that, they were able to get into their press and they were able to create a lot of turnovers. They stole the ball from Holy Cross 14 times, which is a huge number. And that just allows you to have those live game reps and do what Rick Pitino wants you to do. Again, overall, very positive. It's easy for us to just wax poetically about everything that happened yesterday. I think you and I are on the same page. Zuby Edgefor, really good in his minutes yesterday. I thought Simeon Wilcher was really good in his minutes yesterday. And I thought Brady Dunlap, who hit a three yesterday and played well defensively as well. Those were the three guys that really stood out. And of course, RJ Luis. You know, we don't need to talk about Joel Soriano with his 16 points. Chris Ledlam had 10 points. Jordan Dingle had 11 points. We know what these guys can do. This was an easy, easy game for those guys. This was the game to showcase the three of Dunlap, Ejafor, Wilcher, and of course, the return of RJ Luis. Yep. And just to circle back on Wilcher again, I think the quote from Rick is very telling. It's, you know, when you can trust your backup point guard and he's a true freshman. That's going to be absolutely huge. I think it's going to be especially huge for this team. You know, we've talked a little bit on this podcast and at various games about 
the trouble we've had with quicker guards and, and for all his many skills, Jenkins is not the fastest player on the floor. So being able to have that faith in Wiltshire, uh, who's a lot quicker than, than Jenkins to get out there and guard some quicker guards when we face them. Um, it, it's going to pay dividends down the line. So hopefully, uh, you know, Simeon Wiltshire continues to grow and continues to, uh, to reward Rick's faith in him. Up next for St. John's is West Virginia. The Mountaineers, it's a true road game December 1st. Quinn Slazinski, who was committed to St. John's in the offseason following Rick Patino left. He is with the West Virginia Mountaineers now. He is their leading scorer, 16.4 points per game, 4.4 rebounds per game. He has this game circled, I have no doubt. But this West Virginia team is beaten up right now. You've probably heard everything that's been going on with them this year. Of course, Bob Huggins no longer the head coach there. They have lost a handful of players to either the portal or suspension or not getting their waiver. Raekwon Battle did not get his transfer waiver. Kirk Creesa is suspended for impermissible benefits. He will miss this game. So West Virginia has eight guys. That's it. Six guys get the bulk of their minutes, but they have eight players on this roster and i mean it's a shame because you know you look at their roster you look at the guys they're missing it would be a really good game and a really good test if they were at full strength if you know guys like akaka cock and raekwon battle and uh noah farrakhan had gotten their waivers now you're talking about an exciting matchup uh with with a really quality team but without those guys the roster uh is very thin as you noted and uh you know it's it's you never want to say you should win a road game, especially in a tough environment like that. But this is this is one that you really got to have uh, if you fancy yourself a tournament team. Well, the other thing is that this game is shaping up to be like Florida State last year, where things completely out of your control are happening to your opponent and you just have to take care of business. St. John's did that against Florida State last year, and they have to do that here as well. Now, true road test. You're going into a hostile environment. West Virginia is a tough place to play. It's a tough place to win. But when it comes to the amount of players that you have versus them, the style of play that you have versus them, you should be able to get things done. And their best player is a guy that your staff knows very, very well. So you'll know how to stop him, hopefully. The other guy is another guy that you're familiar with, Jesse Edwards. Big man, 15.6 points per game, 10 points per game. That's going to be the matchup that everybody is going to be watching. Joel Soriano versus Jesse Edwards. How does Chris Ledlam slot in there and, and how he's he going to do in the paint. We're seeing Chris Ledlam play a lot better uh, recently as well. And I'm going to be really curious how RJ Luis does in game two. Where does he fit in? I think we're going to see him play maybe a little bit more minutes. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to St. John's being really tested on the road. I think it's going to say a lot about this team. And again, it's going to be another one of these checklist games as you finish up your non-conference schedule, because after this game, it does get a little easier where you hopefully can continue to build confidence. And if they do get through West Virginia here, and I said this after Utah, there's a realistic chance that you go undefeated through the rest of the non-conference, but let's get through West Virginia. I think it's going to be a good test for St. John's. I think it is a game that they should win. Yeah, I think it's a game you should win. You know, Ken Palm has us as a, you know, a one-point underdog for what that's worth, you know, you can put a little grain of salt or an asterisk next to some of these early season Ken Palm uh, projections just because they filter in too much of kind of his subjective uh, preseason projections. But, 
you know, that's where Ken Palm has it. We might be pick them game or maybe we even a one point favorite somewhere in that range. Uh, I would think Vegas probably adjusting a little bit from, from the computer metrics. So, you know, again, it's a very, very winnable road game. You don't get too many of those against high major opponents. And I've talked about it before too. It's, it's the psychic effect. You know, they might not be good this year. They might end up in the hundreds in net or Ken Palm, but you know, having West Virginia road win on your resume is always going to look good from a high perspective to the media, to fans, et cetera. Uh, and so people are going to take notice if you go into a hostile environment like that and, and win a game. State Johns improves to four and two on the season with a 91-45 win over Holy Cross. RJ Luis is back. RJ Luis looks great. And St. Johns has another weapon at their disposal heading in to West Virginia on December 1st. Like we said, St. John's took care of business, and that's what you really wanted out of this When Coach Patino said, I've coached a lot of very gifted players, but he's one of the more gifted players because how he does so many different things. He's a shot blocker, which you didn't see today, but he's a great ball handler. He's a great playmaker and a great scorer, a very good rebounder, and he's coming into his own, coming off seven weeks out. He's a very talented young man, and there's only great things that are going to happen moving forward with him. Not much more needs to be said. RJ Luis is officially back for St. John's. St. John's gets the win 4-2 and two as they head into West Virginia coming up next. He's Frank Bofetta. Thank you so much. David Barrow signing off here. St. John's 4-2 and two on the season. We'll see you, Johnny Nation, next time. You've been listening to the Eye on the Storm podcast. Go Johnny's.